Welcome to the Gathering Church's audio sermon. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is the Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 23 to 25, just a short passage this morning. As you're turning there, I'll give some context and background. Uh, The author of Hebrews wrote this letter in part to address some Christians. These are Jewish believers who had recently come to believe that Jesus really is, in fact, the Messiah. They are Christians, but they're being tempted. They're being persecuted. They're thinking about bailing on Jesus. It's too hard. The persecution is too intense. We might, I think we're going to go back to our old ways, the ways of the Old Testament laws. And so he writes, the author writes this to say time and time again, no, don't do that. Jesus is greater than anyone or anything. It's kind of like the theme of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron, the high priest. He's greater than anyone and anything. And to turn away from Jesus, to bail on Jesus, leaves you in a terrible situation because where else are you going to go to? Who else can do what he has done and what he can do and what he has promised to do? No one else can. He is the one who made a way through his death and his resurrection and his ascension to God, so we can have this new covenant relationship with God forever, and no one else can do that. And so he says, don't bail on Jesus. Hold fast to Jesus. And so in chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, we're going to see a strong push for Christians to live like Christians, to encourage one another to keep following Jesus. And that's really the main thrust of today's shortened sermon As believers in Jesus, we must encourage one another to follow Jesus. But what does that mean to encourage? It can be like a broad meaning. In general, it means to give support, to give confidence, to help produce hope, or to build courage in someone. Encourage, build courage. Of course, that can happen in a variety of ways, from a variety of sources. We can give and receive encouragement all kinds of ways. So someone say, hey, you have such a nice smile. That's encouraging. That outfit looks good on you. Maybe you're not saying that today. I don't know. That's fine. Or, you know, someone does a good job. Say, man, you did a really good job on that. Like, that, that's encouragement. That, that's, that's a way to encourage, absolutely. And if you're doing that, keep that up. Don't stop that. Do that more for sure. Nothing wrong with that kind of encouragement. But the encouragement that we see specifically in this passage is a little bit more focused on specifically the push, the the encouragement to follow Jesus. This is not the passage of, don't worry, you have a a great set of hair, you're awesome. That's not the encouragement here. The encouragement here is a call to action. Don't give up following Jesus. Keep following Jesus. And so we're going to look at three reasons why we must encourage one another. The first, we must encourage one another because we get lazy. Look at verse 23. I'm actually going to read the, all three verses. Verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I don't know if you caught that. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of hope uh, without wavering. Verse 24, let's consider how to stir up, how to spur one another on. Verse 25, let's not neglect meeting together. Let's keep encouraging each other all the time. The very fact that the specific wording written in here is what it is implies that we need reminders, implies that this kind of stuff isn't actually happening naturally, that we're going to run out of steam, that we're going to get distracted, that we might even get deceived, and we're going to do the opposite of what is written, that we're going to get lazy. Now, again, that doesn't mean that all Christians are lazy all the time or something like that. Certainly not, no. But all Christians are definitely not super fired up and passionate and, and devoted and just raring to go all day long and super hardworking. And again, we're talking spiritually here. I know lots of people, they're very hardworking in their jobs or with their families or with their interests and hobbies, but how hardworking are we with regards to our faith? Spiritually, this is what we're talking about. We get lazy spiritually. And so he says, without wavering. He wouldn't need to say that unless it was happening. Right? People are, ah, oh, oh, I don't know, this little bit, this little bit, okay? These uh, hold the confession of our hope, the hope that we have, the distinct beliefs that we have anchored in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, what he's done again in his life and his death and his resurrection, that he's our savior, that he is our resurrected Messiah, that he is our high priest, that he is our coming king. He says, hold on to that truth. Hold on to the gospel. Hold on to Jesus. Don't waver. Don't waver. See, these early Christians, they needed reminders. They needed reminders about who God is and what he has done and that he's faithful and that he can be trusted. And so do we. We're not any better. We're not. We need the same reminders that God is good, that God is faithful, that you can count on him, that he is dependable. We need that reminder. He's gonna keep his promises. So hold on to your hope that we have in him. And we've gotta help each other in this regard because we all have selfish hearts and we're all prone to get spiritually lazy. I know I am. I need help. I need encouragement. Let's, like, let's just admit it for a second. Let's be honest. It's easier to be or to become spiritual, spiritually lazy. It's easier. It's easier to be lazy. It's easier to not pray. It's easier to not read your Bible. It's easier to not think about Jesus or talk about Jesus. It's easier to not obey what the Word says. It's easier to not fight temptations. It's easier to not think about eternal things it's easier. That's why we need encouragement to do the opposite. Because guess what? You're not going to accidentally become spiritually mature. You don't unintentionally grow in your faith. You don't just wake up one day and be like, oh, wow, I'm very spiritual. Don't know what I did. It just happened. No. That's why we need encouragement. Verse 24, and he says, let's, let's consider how we can stir one another up to love and good deeds. Let's consider how. Like that's thoughtful attention to stop, to think about other believers, like to seriously think about them, not to judge them, 
and not to gossip about them, but to think about them, to find ways to encourage them. Like, when was the last time you stopped and spent a good amount of time thinking about a fellow believer, and you're like, you know what? Based on what I know, what's going on in their life, what would be the best way to stir them up? What would be the best way to support them? What would be the best way to build courage in their life? This is what he's talking about doing. Take time, intentional thinking. You're like, oh yeah, that person. I bet, no, maybe this would encourage them. Who can you encourage in the faith this week? Think about that. This week. And how will you do it? Like, take the time to consider how to stir up. How can you help them hold fast to this confession of our hope? I, don't, I, I know there's all kinds of ways. Maybe you call them and say, hey, you know what? Why don't we start a Bible study together? Or let's meet together to pray. Or maybe you commit to, to serve in a ministry together. You're like, hey, you want to join this with me? Let, let's do this together. Or maybe it's serving in the community. I'm not sure. Perhaps it's simply you just, you call someone or you text them and say, hey, I am praying for you. I heard about what happened. I don't, maybe I don't know all the details. Maybe I do, but I'm praying for you. But then you actually pray for them. You actually do it. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, famous old dead preacher. He said, nothing encouraged his heart more than to hear the words, I'm praying for you from his congregation. Nothing. Maybe it's inviting someone to have a serious conversation about how you can get more involved in in global missions or local missions, what we can do. The the, the point is to do it. As we said, let us consider how we can do this. The point is to do it. Whatever it ends up doing, the passage is a call to action, to resist spiritual laziness and to help each other to follow Jesus. You need this and I need this. We need this. We need each other, which is the, the second reason why we have to encourage one another is simply because we need each other. We need each other. Verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, how do we stir up? How do we spur one another on? Being with one another. Being with one another. I mean, yes, corporately on, on Sundays, this, this is, hey, this is great right now. But, you know, it's like an hour, hour and a half, and then you go. Being with one another. Yes, on Sundays, for sure. But then finding other opportunities to get together, whether it's in your homes or, or at, at a restaurant or at a park or students at school. Like if you go to the same school, you find other believers, even if it's for five minutes in between classes, be like, hey, whew. Let's, can I pray for you real quick? Because, man, school is tough. Maybe you ride the same bus and you're like, hey, let, let's, try, let's try our best today to, to be salt and light. Let's try our best to follow Jesus. You in, you in. Okay, come on. Encourage each other. Because we're not meant to do this alone. Our church is called the gathering. <laughs> we gather. You know, I mean, this passage, sure, it's talking, doesn't specify exactly the meetings and the size of the meetings, but it's implied that at least corporate weekly gatherings is definitely included because that was a pattern established at this time. But we gather here because we need each other. It's not just something to do on Sunday mornings. Check off my list. Yeah, I went there and I went home. 
We need each other. This is why we come here. We need you here. And you need me here. We need each other here. And of course, I'm not preaching a legalistic, you better be here 52 out of 52 Sundays. I'm not even here 52 Sundays. I'm gonna be gone the next two Sundays, right? We understand that there's travel, there's work, there's sickness, things happen. But we're talking about consistency and we're talking about priorities. Is, is being here with other believers a priority to you so that it's kind of weird to not be here? This is what we're talking about. It says, don't neglect this. Don't neglect this. Neglecting gathering together cuts you off of, of one essential way of being encouraged. You miss out. This is one key element of our gatherings together is encouraging one another. We give encouragement, we receive encouragement, but it's hard to give encouragement and, and, and to receive encouragement if you don't know anybody and don't talk to anybody. It's hard to be encouraged if, if, if you come late and leave early. If you, if you just talk to the same four people. Sunday morning could be or should be one of, if not the most encouraging moments of your entire week if we commit to make it that. Again, it won't just accidentally happen. This is on all of us, each of a responsibility to make Sunday morning encouraging. Now, again, I understand you're not gonna be able to talk to everybody every week, not suggesting that. But when you talk to someone on a Sunday, what do you talk about? Are you encouraging them in the faith? Are we spurring them on to love and good deeds? We need to encourage one another. We meet, we worship, we get built up, encouraged in the word and in our fellowship, and then we go out. We scatter for the rest of the week out into Windsor, Essex, and we go to work and we go to school and, and we, we seek to minister to the world in love and with good deeds and with the truth of the gospel. And that's hard and it's tiring and we get, we get beat up and maybe we get insulted, maybe we don't, but we just get worn out and it's... <sighs> and then we come back and we get built up again so, we, we, so that we can go out again. See that? It's, that's intentional. We come back on Sunday to give and to receive encouragement because we need it. And when we neglect to meet together, not only do we miss out on the opportunity to give and receive encouragement, but it also makes us more vulnerable. Vulnerable. Because despite what you might think about yourself, you're not all that great on your own. You might be stronger than somebody, but you're not strong enough on your own forever. Christianity is not a solo sport. We got a picture of, of a soldier, one soldier. Looks pretty great. He's got armor, he's got weapons. He could probably hold his own for a while. But what happens when there's multiple enemies? What happens when you get tired? You haven't had a break. What happens when you're, you're separated from the rest of your battalion? You're vulnerable. You're weak because there's only one of you. Now we've got another picture. Okay. Maybe you've seen this before. The Roman shield wall, they called it the Roman tortoise. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Together, protected, working in harmony, being like, hey, 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 we all need to do our part here. 
I'll encourage you because, oh, oh no, I gotta cover. Put your shield up, put your shield up. Defense, right? Everybody needed, everybody contributing. It's a picture of what we're talking about. We need each other. Don't give up. We keep going. Each one is needed. It's not the same if you take some soldiers out of there. It starts to, right? The formation dips. It's not as strong. We're not the same when we have people that are not, not here and not contributing. We need to encourage one another to meet together. We need to meet together. Not meeting together is negligence to our faith. It is. And now is not the time to neglect our faith, to neglect our church, to neglect our community, our church family. Now is the time to invest in our church family and to connect even more and to encourage each other even more because time is running out, which is the third reason why we need to encourage one another. Time is running out. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see, the day drawing near. The day. What day? The day. What, what's the day? Did I miss the day? What day? There's a little bit of debate among scholars on what day exactly the author is referring to. However, the majority of the consensus is that this is referring to the day of Christ's return, where he will fully rescue and finally judge. The day. The day of days. Time is running out. Guys, Jesus is actually coming back. I don't know when that day is, but there's a day. And we're closer to it today than we were yesterday. Time is running out. We don't know how, how much time is left, but we know that it is running out. There's a fixed point where the Lord is going to return. He's going to descend. He's going to fully rescue his people. He's going to finally judge sin. That day is coming. And God is telling us here in Hebrews 10, hey, that reality should motivate us to encourage each other more. Say, wait, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming sooner than he was yesterday. So that should motivate us to, to fight against our sin. It should motivate us to pursue holiness. It should motivate us to make disciples of all nations locally and globally because we know that time is limited. In 2 Peter 3, it says, The day the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, great question, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Since time is running out, how should we live? In holiness and godliness encouraging one another to do the same. So we got to ask ourselves, what are we really living for? What's our lives actually, like what are they centered around? Is it Jesus? Is it the kingdom of God? We've got to encourage each other 
to think about this, to understand the reality that Jesus is coming back. Like, I need this too. I get distracted often. Those of you who know me well, you know I get distracted often. I need to be stirred up to love and good deeds. I need encouragement like anybody else. I'm not up here being like, listen to me. I know how to do it all. I never have any problems. No, I need this. This is why we need each other. We work together. We minister to one another to keep going. We've got to encourage each other to think about Jesus, man, he's coming back. And there's work to do. There's work to do in Windsor and there's work to do all over the world. His time is limited. One reason why I'm so glad Jordan was able to come back and visit is has encouraged me to get off my butt a little bit more. To go, oh yeah, people don't just need Jesus in Southeast Asia. They need Jesus on my street. You know, oh yeah. And Jordan and I had actually a fantastic opportunity to talk to people on our street about Jesus. And I was encouraged, like, It was so fun. It actually was. It was a reasonable, friendly conversation. It was okay. Talking about Jesus and what he's done and why it matters. It was good. And I was like, man, why haven't I done this more? Oh, I get busy. Busy. I understand sometimes life gets busy, but what is it busy about? Maybe there's some things that we we can't control in our lives for sure, but there's some things that we definitely can And so I was convicted and I was challenged. I was encouraged, like, okay, man, yeah, we're going away for a couple weeks. When we come back, we gotta have those neighbors over again. We gotta talk to them more because time is running out. I'm so encouraged. So thank you, Jordan. I'm encouraged to think more about the kingdom of God than just my plans for my life. It's not even my life. I make it my life. This is what I want to do. It's like, okay, but what does God want to do? So I'll encourage you to encourage Jordan. Talk to him after the service. Obviously not all at once. But be willing to wait a few minutes. Don't just rush out. You can only talk to a few people at a time. But if you can't stay a long time today, get his contact information and, and get in contact with him. Stay in contact with him. Pray for him. Maybe, like he shared, serve alongside him in country. Maybe. Maybe God's doing something. And you're like, ooh, I never thought about that before. Well, it's an option. Think about it now. Listen, there's a day that's coming where the time and the ability to go and make disciples will be done. You understand that? In heaven, we don't need to preach the gospel to people to to make more disciples. That job will be done. But the job's not done today. There's a time. Our faith is gonna be sight when we see Jesus and we're gonna be so filled with joy and worship, but we're also gonna give account for how we lived our lives. What did you do with the time that I gave you? So the, the push, the encouragement is to live for what really matters according to God according to God, to focus on, on him, to focus on his kingdom. Like we can be a church that, that by his spirit's power, we can be really focused on this stuff and we can really encourage each other to say, don't, don't give in to spiritual laziness. Come on, time is short. And please hear me, I'm not saying that you can't ever have a day off to rest. I'm not saying that. 
We all get tired. We all can need some, some rest. Absolutely. But, but a little bit of a, how are we resting even? And how are we living? And what are we focused on here? We, we can be a church that really is, is committed to, to love and good deeds and preaching the gospel. Let's be a church that, that fights against spiritual laziness together because I need your help. You need my help. Fight against spiritual laziness. A church that recognizes that we actually need each other. Fight against sin, to fight for obedience, to go to preach, to go to make disciples. To say no to just the, the, I don't even know what the word is. The church game, I guess. We'll call it that. Where we do the, the, the least amount of possible, but we feel good anyways. Say no to that. It's time's running out. Let's not waste the time that we have left. God has given us a, an amount of time. And I don't know how, how much it is, but it is a fixed amount. Let's get serious about following Jesus. Let's get serious about encouraging one another so we can fight against laziness so God would be glorified and that more lives would be changed. Let's pray together. Father God, we sang this morning about how much we need you. And man, is it ever true. We need you every day, every hour. And we thank you that you're so gracious to us, you're so patient with us, so merciful to us, that you walk along with us, that you help us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that right now, you would be at work in us, motivating us to think carefully about what our life is about, what we want it to be about, to think carefully about the reality, Lord, that you're coming back one day and time is limited. And so I ask that you would do a mighty work in our church. And each one of us individually, but collectively as a church, that we would be a church that really gets on board with Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, to encourage one another to love and good deeds. Let's find ways to stir each other up. Let's find ways to continue to meet together. Find ways to focus on you, Jesus. Help us, help us so that you are glorified, so that more people come to know you so that that last day when, when you do come and we stand before you, we can stand before you in joy knowing that we didn't waste the life that you gave us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's sermon. For more information about our church, visit tgcw.org.